from Sky News on the right to the ABC on the left. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. On the right of that line lies an evil empire of conservative Christians who deny climate change but believe in trickle-down economics. On the left lies a misguided and confused rabble who are supposed to help the working man but instead fight amongst themselves over identities. Only the Iron Fist Velvet Glove podcast takes the uncomfortable position of sitting astride the Iron Curtain to take aim at both sides. Only this podcast, and perhaps the bullshit filter, can explain the dire threats facing our civilization. I only wish that they could have traveled back in time to when I was conducting the war effort with the benefit of their wise counsel. The war would have ended three years earlier. I would not have lost the election and I would have invested heavily in technology stocks. (laughs) In any event, I implore you to listen to this very fine podcast. It is your duty. Indeed, it is your duty, dear listener. If you want to be informed about what's going on in the world, you've come to the right place. The Iron Fist Velvet Glove Podcast. Here we are, episode 222. Richie Benno fans will find significance in that one. Will they? Yeah, he was a famous cricketer. Oh, I know of Richie Benno, but uh, why that number? He used to say two for 222. (laughs) I just just love it whenever it would come up. So 222 is a big number for Richie Benno fans. Mm. Anyway... We're an Australian podcast. We talk about news, politics, sex and religion. We do it every week and we're live streaming. Hello to Tony, Camille and Will in the chat room. And I'm Trevor the Iron Fist. With me as always, Scott the Velvet Glove. G'day Trevor, g'day Paul, g'day listeners. And of course, Paul the Twelfth Man. Greetings, Earthlings. So, we're back again. It's interesting times that we live in. Actually, when you guys arrived, you made the comment of... uh, Sort of happy anniversary to my Chinese homestay boy. We did. We did, mm. yes. Mm. And he was very appreciative of that, I think. He was. Would you like to explain the significance yes. of the day? Paul? Well, today is the 70th anniversary of Chairman Mao standing up in Tiananmen Square and telling the world that China has stood up and will never again allow itself to be pushed around and molested by foreigners. Mm which at the time had basically been uh, colonial Europeans. Yep. It was embarrassing for them. Very embarrassing. Humiliating. More than embarrassing. Yes. Deeply humiliating for a country that for centuries had seen itself as the centre of human civilisation and it had in fact lauded it over uh, surrounding nations in that part of the world. So, Mm. yeah, it was deep humiliation and, and that's... You know, I've, I've argued this with people on several occasions who perhaps are less familiar with Chinese history. And, uh, you know, part of China's um, modern, modernization of the military is absolutely about putting itself in a position where it will never, ever, ever allow 
anyone to humiliate it again. Mm. It's a big motivating and force. I can understand that, mm. you know, because they don't want to ever be humiliated again. Mm. You know? No one likes to be humiliated. No, well, some and, do, I, and I, fully no one here. <laughs> I fully appreciate that, but, you know, um, it's where their military is aimed at. That's the problem is it's... It appears to be across the Formosan Straits or the Taiwanese Straits. Anyway, that's where they where they seem to be having their gaze now. They'll aim it at anyone that they perceive as a threat. Mm. Mm. Well, um, and you watched some of the festivities, did you? Like no, the I missiles didn't. and marching and things. No, were no, no, I no, didn't. I didn't. Oh, okay, you just assumed there was. Right. Oh, I knew it was on. Right. Yeah, and okay. um, I've been reading about it for for weeks. You know, mm. the the um, preparations for it, and I've been watching it with interest. But no, I didn't sit at the telly and watch the parades. Right. Okay. But young, uh, yep. yes, my little, my homestay boy did. Your homestay Tony's boy did. Homestay. He, he sat and watched it on TV. I didn't realise. I, I, guess I guess he's watching a stream it. from China. Mm. Is he on mm. the internet? Mm. Yeah. Yep. He said he loved it, mm. and you could he tell that he was really very proud. Very of Very proud. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And you know, like I've said before, the country has got a hell of a lot to be proud of. Yes. You know, they have achieved a hell of a lot. Yes, and even our politicians often. Um, Mention that, don't they? That China has lifted some, you know, several hundred million, million people, people out, out of poverty, poverty. and it's yeah. a great achievement. And you know, full credit to them. But others would argue that it likely would have happened uh, even without the Communist Party in charge. You know, just the fact that China was dragging itself into the, you know, the modern century. age. Yes, yeah. mm. that it likely would have happened anyway. Mm. I mean, more or less. We don't know to what degree it would have been greater or lesser, but. I, I would probably agree that it's likely China would have regained its um, stature in the world eventually. Without? Without the Communist Party, yes. Right, if it had opened its markets up to the West well, like other countries. Well, yes, exactly. Right. Um, well, I well, mean, especially post-1989, if they had have um, decided to liberalise politically... I think their economy would have gone from strength to strength. But it did. Yes, post eighty nine. Yes, yes. But my point is, with or without the Chinese Communist Party, right. the economy would have continued to grow. There was something I remember years from years and years ago. Now I can't remember who the leader was. Was it Dong or something like that? At the nine. Deng Xiaoping. Yeah, Deng Xiaoping. He was the leader at the time with eighty nine when the Soviet Union collapsed, yeah. wasn't it? And he said that he had just been to the Soviet Union, and he said to he said that oh, he, it was much earlier than than that, Scott. He, okay, he well, took he basically took over soon after Mao Zedong died, right? Which was in nineteen seventy eight or seventy seven, something okay. like that. Well, whoever the, whoever the Chinese premier was mm. at the time when the Soviet Union collapsed, he had apparently said that he had just been to Moscow, and he said to Mikhail Gorbachev, he said, "Mikhail, you've got it wrong." You've got mm. to liberalise your economy first, mm. and then after that you can liberalise the um, political system. Mm. The assumption always was that with the liberalised Chinese economy and the growth and all that sort of thing, that then they would go around and they'd say, okay, now it's time to liberalise the political system. The political system hasn't been liberalised. Not at all. In no. fact, it's gone been, the other way. It's been just constructed, yeah. Absolutely. Well, D- Dung famously said, it doesn't matter if the cat is black or white as long as it catches mice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in reference to the the economic system that they're employed, because they had a centrally planned economy, and it just wasn't working well for them. Mm. 
So he said, look, you know, we have to be smart enough to know that if, you know, we can in fact employ a, a capitalist economic model and retain political control. Yes. And that's so it's exactly sort of state ownership but with a market economy. Yeah, and very much essentially state, what they've done. State control of the people. Yeah. yeah. But if you've got over a billion people who were just scrambling around in rice paddies and you're trying to lift them out of extreme poverty, uh, the most efficient way of doing it would be what they've done. I don't know. I'm not an economist, so it's hard for me to argue exactly how it would happen. But, but you know, that's when you compare with any other economic sort of transformation around the world in recent mm. times, you have to hand it to China and say that the method they chose was the correct one because it, it outperformed everything else on the planet. Mm. Okay, what about the cost in human uh, lives and people being thrown into yeah. prison? It's just, yeah, yeah. You just didn't listen to him, Paul. He just said you've got to look at the economic system and the economic system was transformative. Yeah, you yeah. ignore everything that... And, and we already talked about, when we talked about death by capitalism, the increase in the life expectancy and other things compared to, say, India, which retained a democratic system, mm. but people were dying earlier. So, mm. I don't know, if I was in charge of that country and I had over a billion people and I had to keep them uh, and try and lift them out of poverty and... Uh, would be Chairman Trevor. Indeed. I think the way they've done it is the correct way. Oh, dear. So there you go. Which I understand. However, you then <laughs> got to look at the... Because um, they had... The state-owned enterprises that are still state-owned in China, they're not performing especially well compared to their privately-owned counterparts. Okay. I don't know about that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I just put up on the screen, actually, um, because there was a news poll which asked Australians, thinking about our relationship with the US and China, if the Australian government had to prioritise one relationship over the other, in your opinion, which one of these relationships should be given priority? So we had the situation of Morrison sort of uh, bagging the Chinese over their emissions and sort of in a bromance with Trump and there was seen to be sort of a, a, a tricky situation that he was being placed in where he was having to straddle the fence of keeping them both happy. And because mm. Trump's talking about trade wars and, of course, our major trading, well, we buy a lot from the US and we sell a lot to China. Mm. So on that basis, I would have thought that if we're going to prioritise any relationship, we should prioritise our Chinese Careful. relationship. Because... <laughs> Because they're the ones buying our stuff. Is that everything? I mean, you, you know, I, I'm going to become Greta Thunberg now. <laughs> is, you know, money isn't everything, Trevor. <laughs> you know, there are more important things than money. Gee, I'm, yeah, yeah. Who's more likely to get us into a war? We've talked I'll, about that I'll never forgive you if China invades us and <laughs> takes over our political system. Anyway, when they asked Australians that question... Which should, relationship should be prioritised? Australians said, fifty six percent said the US, twenty five percent China, and nineteen percent were uncommitted. Mm. So there you go. Well, that twenty five percent is interesting, isn't it? Mm. So, so some people obviously do think that China is not a threat to us in any way, shape, or form, and they buy our stuff. It's not a case of saying they're no threat to us, but. Arguably, they might have said, well, gee, the US is a bigger threat to us. So, you know, it's, it's, it was a choice between the lesser of two evils, yeah. you could say. Yeah. So, uh, so, anyway, that's China. That's 
That's it. I don't, we done China? Could, I don't yeah. see how you could say China's lesser of two evils. It's probably... Well, which did China drag us into a war in Vietnam? No, we're not did China drag, drag us into Vietnam, a war in, in, in Iraq yeah, and yeah. lots of stuff? Yeah, so, okay. So, but what they did do so, was they did invade Tibet. They did. Did, Ch- did China drag us into it? No, Thank they you. invaded. They it. didn't need it. They didn't need us to. Neither join did America, Tibet. except for face and just you know. But they didn't need legitimacy, to see that. Yeah. See, China for, doesn't for care legit- about legitimacy. So they they make their own they're legitimacy. They're more honest. Well, they, they create their own but legitimacy. sorry, Scott, I interrupted. No, you're right. I was right. just saying. I mean, they yeah. seriously do create their own legitimacy. They don't give a fuck what other people think, frankly. You know, they invaded Tibet and took over Tibet but, but and they I, claimed they had always but, but, been but with all an integral things, part but, of China. Yes, but with all these things, you have to then say, on the other hand, does the US give a fuck? And the answer is no. So with all these things, you could say all these bad things all the time about China, and I'll agree with you. But yeah. on the other hand, you have to say often the same applies. I disagree. Not, yeah, well. I, I just disagree. I just don't think uh, the, the US cares so little for yeah. us as, as you claim. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to first topic, which was our topic. We were sort of a, bit, a little bit prescient last week. We started talking about Greta Thunberg, and she mm. hadn't actually spoken at the UN oh, at that point. We sort of go. and then she came out and then she was all the talk of the town. We're so ahead of the way. We were a little bit ahead, yes. So it was quite an amazing reaction to her speech at the UN. Mm. <laughs> it was and over the top. It triggered a lot of people. Mm. And the people it triggered, to my mind, had some very similar characteristics. Right wing white males, yeah, exactly, of, and you know well, middle aged to la- like that. you know at least fifty a year old, like old middle aged privileged white males were the ones, oh, and, the occasion- oh, and were- the occasional um, Sky News and uh, Fox News uh, and News Corp will trot out uh, young female journalists at different times who was, I think are very harsh right wingers, but, but generally it was angry old men did not like the Greta. Thunberg statements. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Bolt, he was ridiculous. Mm. You know, the, the way he carried on was absolutely crazy. Mm. I mean, you'd swear the way the reactionary right were carrying on that she was a threat to humanity, you know, and she wasn't. She's a 16-year-old girl that was up there expressing an opinion she was more than expressing an opinion. She was giving scientific facts as well. Mm. But she also dressed it up in a very emotive speech. Mm. It was extremely emotional, probably a little bit over the top, but however... Just a bit melodramatic for It was taste, a bit me- melodramatic. Mm. However, it might be time for some melodrama to actually kick these bastards in the ass and get them to do something because it makes no sense whatsoever that you had Scott Morrison when he was treasurer was um, the AIB, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, when he was going on about that, and he said that um, that they had that they had lobbied them, they had lobbied the Chinese in the AIB to him take on to the uh, energy thing more uh, fossil fuels. Mm. And that was bloody criminal, actually, because you've got this situation now that you can see that the renewables are a hell of a lot cheaper than new coal. But we've got them investing in coal. 
Mm. Are they actually re- cheaper than coal than burning coal? Now? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So the problem is the storage issues, but they, yeah, the storage you know, issues. You still got storage, yeah. and, and they're look, finding solutions for that. You know, re- wind power is not that efficient. It really isn't that efficient in terms of uh, converting, you know, the movement of the air into electric power. It's not that efficient. There's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of costs go into building those things. Uh, solar panels, what's their lifespan? Maybe 20 years maximum. And then what do you do with all those solar panels? You have to put them into landfill? Can, you, can they be recycled? You know, I mean, they could be recycled. There are a lot of costs. And uh, these, you know, solar and wind, frankly, a lot of people say just don't pass muster in terms of supplying a lot of people are the saying, volume of a, a, power that a lot, humanity a lot needs. Of, a lot of people are saying, who does that sound like? Andrew Bolton, me? Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald <laughs> Trump says, oh, a lot of people are saying, like, you know, let's, do we need to trot out? We, like, we just can't sit around a table now and say, oh, you know. A lot of people wh- are saying. What you've just said. Yeah, okay. You have to have some scientific evidence in front of you. And if you want to have a debate next week about the, um, how the, uh, the genuine sort of merits of converting mm. to renewables fully right. as opposed to coal, yeah. let's do it properly. Okay, but we can't just fair. sit around and just gas bag off the top of our heads without having well, we looked can, at it. We yeah, well, we don't on other issues. Okay. We actually investigate. So we'll come back to that one All as right, to but the merits of it. Yeah. So Look, I'm yeah. not against renewables. I just don't think they're the, the, uh, the total answer, to be honest. Right. So but they don't have to be the total answer, but they can be like 90% of the answer. So, I'm not convinced mm. they can even be 90%. Well, have you really you, investigated it much, though? Uh, just things I've read in passing. Right. Uh, leads Cause, me cause, to cause, believe that they're not... Because I've read other studies where they've actually modelled the weather conditions that we've had over a 12-month period yeah. and looked at, OK, we've got renewables in place of a feasible amount and yeah. they've said, it works. There is enough energy there to power Australia. So I've actually seen yeah. modelling that says the okay. opposite. So uh-huh. it is possible, but you've got to look at the scientific evidence. Yeah. And this is the problem is there's so much sort of misinformation out there okay. and just what a, you know, a News Corp columnist might say about something, I just don't trust them to I start with. no connection with News Corp. No, but you get infected by um, this sort of talk, I reckon. Yeah. You hear it often enough, you get infected by it. So My main sources yeah. of news are the ABC, yeah. The Guardian, The Sydney Morning Herald. Right. I mean, they're hardly radical... Okay. Either left or right, radical, right. But you've they? got a very strong suspicion that renewables will never be able to do the job. I have a strong suspicion that they won't uh, yeah. give us what we need. Yeah. Well, but, I've actually but, heard different to that yeah. because they're actually talking about the storage and that sort of thing. Yeah. Pumped hydro is probably the better way to go rather than the great yeah. big Tesla battery like they've got yeah. down in Adelaide. Mm. Yeah. But um, even just lifting weights, like if you have a concrete blocks and stuff and just use the power to lift the weight when you've got plenty of it and then when you're needing it, lower the weights to run turbines or whatever. So it doesn't have to even be hydro. Like There's plenty of ways of doing it. I mean, there's a whole lot of things. that You've got them. They're they're looking at... um... So, okay, we'll do that next week is the science as to renewables and does it stack up. But I'm, you know, whenever I've heard any science, it says it does stack up and... In a country like Australia, where we've got so much sunshine, mm. like I was reading something where, oh, it's that guy, um, 
Alan Jones, he's over in Japan and he's talking about how much, you know, they're not using renewables over there and there's hardly any solar or whatever in there. It was like, well, it's a different world, you know, when you're in the Northern Hemisphere, like compared to Australia. Yeah, it's a much and, less sunny country than Australia. Yeah, and he was talking about... But they do have windmills. Right, yeah. I don't know how many, but I've seen a few right. in my travels in Japan. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Um, so anyway, where were we? So uh, big reaction from the right, I reckon. Why is it that climate deni- climate change denials, denialists, just they're all on the right, it seems to me. Like we had a comment from one of our listeners, Cy, saying you talk about climate change issues being left and right, and he didn't really think it was an issue of left and right. Mm. But when you look at the right, who are traditionally uh, in favour of low tax, uh, low regulation, let people make as much money as they want... Let the market decide. Yeah. Mm. Climate really shouldn't be an issue that falls on that economic line so much, one side or the other. But it, it does. Shouldn't, but it does, yeah. And if somebody says to you in a, a sort of a social situation, said to you, oh, this climate change, I'm highly suspicious that it's caused by man mm. or I'm highly suspicious that renewables will do the trick, then if you said nine times out of ten, I bet you you vote for the Conservative Party, you'd be right. And mm. it doesn't make any sense that climate change science issue falls economically on that side, except that conservatives are all about maintaining the status quo mm. and maintaining the power that's already in place mm. and not wanting to change things that might damage a situation that's working quite nicely for them. So it's just interesting that it's, Is it it's a left-right way, issue yeah. and lines up with economic issues when it... Is it a herd sort of thing? Um, so if you if you position yourself as being on the conservative or on the right side of politics, you tend to believe what other conservatives say. And yes. If you're on the left, yes. you tend to believe that you know solar panels and windmills are you know the answer to everything. Yeah, because you identify with the tribe. I'm a conservative, and my tribe on this issue mm. says, "Beware, it's not going to work, mm. and we'll all be ruined if we are forced to." Stop coal fire stations. Yeah. That is a factor. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so what I wanted to say on that was um, uh, Essential Report had done a a sort of a, a survey on this. Actually, I'll put this one up on the chat room as well. So, and the question is. Do you believe that there's a fairly conclusive evidence that climate change is happening and caused by human activity? Or do you believe that the evidence is still not in and we may just be witnessing a normal fluctuation in the Earth's climate, which happens from time to time? So is it man-made or is it just normal fluctuation? So people are... uh, who, Who agrees with this statement? Climate change is happening and is caused by human activity. So if you vote Labor... 73% 73% of Labor voters agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. 78% of Greens voters agree with it. Only 78? That's interesting. I would have thought like 98. You're right. You're right. It is. Um, only 57% of Liberal Nationals agree. How many? 57. Oh, yeah. So Labor was 73, Greens were 78. 
on the sort of alternative question, um, we are just witnessing a normal fluctuation in the Earth's climate. So 15% of Labor voters would agree with that, 12% of Green voters would agree with that, and 34% of Liberal National voters mm. would agree with that. So, so um, I sent this article to Cy and I said, well, look, we talk about it as being a left-right issue, and I think it is a left-right issue, and... As a tribal issue, Seems I think. To be, doesn't it? Yeah. There we go. What I find really interesting is the uh, don't knows in that. Mm. Vote Greens, 10% don't know. Mm. Yeah. That's that is really quite high. But, you know, you could be green and go, look, I don't know if it's climate change is caused by man or not, but I like the idea of just cleaning up the environment anyway. Yeah. So I'm, as a matter of prudence... Um, We'll, we'll vote green yeah. anyway. Or you, perhaps yeah. support the Greens for other policy reasons. Yeah. So, um, so, um, uh, so yeah, it's, it is a left-right issue. And it, uh, it's dangerous that it is because it just drags a lot of people across mm. who maybe wouldn't be there anyway. Mm. Um, actually, just oh, I skipped a bit. Sorry, dear listener, we're going to... Um, Jump back just to the Greta Thunberg topic. Morrison, of course. Uh, <laughs> he lost res- it, didn't he? His response to this. Um, I'm going to play a clip here, so just hang on and uh, have have a listen to Morrison. I'll play as much as I can stomach before I start throwing up. Here we go. You have the bucket handy. Yeah. You know, I want children going up in Australia to feel positive about their future. And I think it's important that we give them that confidence that they will not only have a wonderful country and pristine environment to live in, but they'll also have an economy that they can live in as well. And so I would, I think we've got a caution against raising the anxieties of children in our country. Yeah, we've got to deal with the policy issues and we've got to take it seriously. But I don't want our children um, having anxieties about these issues. Australia has dealt with so many issues in the past and the world has dealt with so many difficult issues in the past. And uh, these days I think it's important. And I say that... Okay, I can't handle any more. What part do you disagree with? <laughs> we bet, you know, this is a bad idea, Greta Thunberg. She's scaring the little kids. We don't want our kids, you know, suffering needless anxiety. Um, you know what this sounds like to me? is This is the same as the boat people argument, which was... Yeah. Oh, we've got to stop the boats because we don't want people, people drown drowning trying to come here. So we're doing the, a good thing by stopping the boats because we're actually saving these people from drowning on the ocean. Like it was a bullshit deflective argument mm. that was clearly there as a, as a bullshit argument. Like nobody, n- nobody can really believe people when they say that. It's just a good way of just moving on to the next question. Oh, you know, and I'm just sick of this sort of bullshit answer. Like, mm. that, that to me smells of the same sort of BS. And he can get away with it. This is the infuriating part of all this. So, mm. Which, uh, did you, um, what did you think of my, my thought experiment about with Greta? What was the thought experiment again? You didn't see it? No. I'm afraid to ask. I'm, you saw afraid, it, didn't you, I'm Scott? afraid to ask. My thought experiment was all the leaders of the EU mm. 
were so moved by young Greta's speech that they decided to hand over political power to Greta to install her as the the saviour dictator of Europe and let her make the important decisions about what's going to happen. And what, what do you think things... How do you think things would pan out if Greta was in charge? What is... What is what a crazy thought experiment. It's Paul. crazy. But what, nobody is saying put Greta in charge of no, no. everything. But, you know, the, the she, fact she, that they've... Nobody's they, saying they put say, her in charge of climate control. Nobody's saying anything like that. Well, she's saying basically I, the leaders of the world are trashing the planet hmm. and it's about time that they thought like her. Do, basically do, what she's do, saying. Do you know what? The world would be fine because you, you think? we've currently got Donald Trump running the United States. Yes. And you could walk down Fifth Avenue and pick anybody off the street and they would do a better job of running the US government than Donald Trump. Donald so Trump is an the, anomaly. He's, well, but here's my point. Yeah. Greta Thunberg should be president of the United States and she would do a better job than Donald Trump. Anybody could. So, you know, I think that's a poor comparison with Donald Trump. He is a freak, and we all know he's he's a well, he's you, a catastrophe. And the country's on still operating. So it's you're asking operating. how would Europe go if they put her in charge? Well, well, they'll be doing better than. My point is, Donald Trump's still an adult. She's a 16 year old, and she. I don't think at 16 anyone has a really deep appreciation of, of what's involved but, but in keeping an, an economy. She wasn't asking to run the Europe. She wasn't. She's not asking to run. Even the climate change movement. She's not asking to run anything it's and nobody's suggesting she should. Trevor, it's yeah, a thought experiment. What do you think would happen but it's suggesting if that, she were? Well, what would you think would happen if she was the Pope? Like, it's just as relevant. The Pope? Yeah. No, the Pope's not relevant. Well, neither is this. Nobody's <laughs> suggesting she should be running the EU or even the climate change movement or the Vatican. Nobody's suggesting that. That's the Vatican just, is irrelevant. That, well, so is the thought that Gre- Greta Thunberg no, should no, be in charge I'm of anything. So, Her job so sure. is just there to, as a role of describing, hey, Houston, no. we have a problem. Look, Here's the science. We have seen. And you know what I like about it? It's finally the younger generation is saying there are generational decisions that are made, and I've been saying to millennials here in Australia for quite a while now, mm. how long are you going to let the boomers screw you over for? How long are you going to let it happen? And when are you going to rise up and say, hey, this generation in charge is actually screwing the younger generation? Yeah. And I think it's a good thing that there's a generational argument happening where she, in her speech, was basically pointing out, how dare you? We're the guys who are going to have to live with us and you're taking unnecessary risks mm. with what we're going to have to live with. I thought that was a really excellent part of her argument. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. But it's people who, with the same sort of you know, line of thinking of, of, as Greta Thunberg who have been in charge in Sweden for the last couple of decades and some people would say they haven't done a very good job of it. So, you know, in terms of, you know... Um, Cultural change in Sweden apparently is becoming profound. Right. Sorry, I lost that. Where did that well, that's cr- because how did they the come back to immigrants the and that sort of thing. Yeah. The, come back Sweden has been ruled by basically left-leaning social justice warriors for a number of years now, and right. some people say the results are apparent and they're not very right. good. 
Right. So, you know, I'm just projecting Greta Thunberg onto a bigger screen, you know. And right. I'm not convinced. Can, can, can I project? We would have a good outcome with with someone thinking along those lines, right? In and, charge. And should we just start listing countries that have been run by right wing, you know, neoliberal ideologies, and see how they're going? Look, in no, comparison? no, no. That's that's you know, yeah, you're and, def- and, you're deflecting. I'm not saying we should install right wing fascists. Right. I'm saying what we need is sensible, moderate, centrist. Uh, yeah, reasoned, considered positions about everything in the chat room um paul's job on this podcast dear listener is is to be the contrarian he his job is to provoke and to into always happy to help out (laughs) (laughs) so i know in there you're just going oh my god what is it with this 12th man but it is part of his role and he does it very well to provoke and and cause you to justify what you're saying so I i thank you for your I thank you for your contribution. It's always a pleasure. Contrarian, twelfth man. So always a pleasure. Okay, uh, what do I want to say about um, just getting back to Morrison and his BS argument about um, oh, you know, we don't want to cause unnecessary anxiety. Really, you know, um, she shouldn't be doing this and scaring the kids. Uh, Peter Fitzsimons. She is scaring um, some of the kids. Peter Fitzsimons got a letter, I think, from a reader, John Lloyd, who said, which of the following is scarier to tell kids? One, there is a possibility that in the future you, your family and friends will live in a damaged world that won't be anywhere as nice as it is now if we don't fix it. Or two, there is a certainty that you, your family and your friends will be tortured for all eternity if you or they reject our concept of God. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was a good line. Like when when Morrison talks about causing anxiety, mm. and he's part of it, a movement that's making that sort of threat to people. Yeah, you know, which one is scarier? Oh, he definitely has a, a, yeah. a serious double standard on that level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there we go. Um, I liked the thing from Mark, Mark Col- Mike Colton. Mm-hmm. When I need a lecture on parenting, I won't be getting it from a vacuous blowhard who has inducted his own kids into a weird Christian cargo cult. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Now, uh, before we finally leave Greta, mm. um, we had an email from a listener, um, Mel, I think, who... Mm-hmm. Who, what did she say, Scott? You want to take issue? Tell us. No, what I she didn't said want to take or, issue or with it. She said, "Hey guys, hey guys, my daughter nine is nine, going on ten. The weekend before the climate march, she went into the garage to do some painting. She had an easel, etc., and came out with a climate march sign and asked us if she could attend. It was completely unprompted. We were a few kilometres from the Sunshine Coast fires, and she had a few friends evacuated." So it might have been prompted by that. She also watches a lot of David Attenborough. I really wanted the glove and 12th to know this, please. Mm. I don't doubt your daughter's sincerity Mm. and I don't doubt your daughter's knowledge on the situation. My problem is that uh, I honestly believe that these protests should be held on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon rather than a Friday. And that's what I would love to see. If these protests were held on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, I'd be there, but I've got to work, <laughs> so I can't attend a climate strike on a Friday afternoon. And that is the whole point. Yeah, you've had this Extinction Rebellion nonsense that's going on where you had that uh, woman that uh, put herself up in a... On the Victoria, uh, Victoria Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, she blocked the traffic. When was that? Yesterday, I oh, think. I can't remember when it was. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, she blocked the traffic. 
which I understand what she's trying to block the traffic for. However... So school time is too valuable, is what you're saying? Don't look at me like that, Trevor. <laughs> yes, it is too valuable. Right. It is too valuable but, because... Okay, you, did you ever go on an excursion as a kid? Yeah, and they were all a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, think of it as an excursion. No, Instead of going to the planetarium ex- or the aquarium or to the Parliament House... Instead of going to Parliament House for an excursion, you, you go to a street march and you have a little excursion down the street. Like, think of it like that. Like, seriously, you're, you're, you're overvaluing the, the time spent in school. We well, can, we can, I we can honestly believe afford that, some time out of it. Well, they might be able to afford some time out of it, but I don't think they should be taking time out of it. And I do mm. believe that protests should be held on Saturday or Sunday afternoons mm. so that they can minimise the disruption to the other people that are just going about their lives in a lawful way, mm. trying to get to work. And instead, you've got Extinction Rebellion blocking the streets. Mm. Okay. Enough of Greta, I think, <laughs> and climate. So we'll move on. But no, I should have just like to make this little issue, oh. this statement out to the environmentalists who might be listening to this. If you organise a climate change march on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, I will be there. Don't try and put it on a weekday because I won't be Get out of my way. No, exactly, because I've got to work. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, here into the ranch. And do, you, do, you, do you not suspect that uh, that kind of stunt alienates a lot of absolutely what a, it does supporters? What stunt? The one on the bridge. Oh, the bridge. Yeah, yeah. this right. woman suspending herself from three poles in the middle of the street to block mm. traffic. Yes. I don't know. I mean, I mean, like they probably had to. They probably she probably also yeah, because, a bit of that in Brisbane where people are super gluing themselves to the street. Yeah, I know, well. that's and that's thing, the whole yeah. point. It's these sorts of things. They are designed to try and stop traffic, and I understand why they're trying to stop traffic during the week so that they can... it gets attention. It gets attention. Mm. However, if they did exactly the same thing on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, they wouldn't be pissing people off. Mm. And I honestly believe that you're right, Paul, that they do actually cut themselves off from the, the vast majority of people who are just trying to get to work. And they can't get to work because they've got the traffic, they've got the streets blocked. Mm. Now, the streets are blocked, which is blocking people that are driving their cars, but it's also mm. blocking the people that are on the buses on too, public transport, that are trying yes. to get to work. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time travelling to and from work, and it's a frustrating, tiring thing that they have to do to make a living. And, you know, to make that even worse for them. I think they're alienating a lot of people Absolutely that might come on board. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that wants to criticise me, I cycle to and from work. <laughs> oh, well, aren't you good? <laughs> I do that every day. <laughs> right. Scott, virtue signalling here? I don't no, know. No, I'm not virtue signalling. I'm just telling <laughs> no, the truth. You, I ride to and from work no, every with day. You. I'm okay. with you on that, okay. Scott. All right, I'm, all right. I'm another cyclist and yeah. I'm with you on that 100%. Yeah. Okay, uh, next topic. It's been an interesting time in world politics because since the last <laughs> That's an time, understatement. Since the last time we met, we had the UK Supreme Court declare that Johnson's proroguing of Parliament was illegal. was illegal, and at the same time, we had an affair in America, which might which might lead to an impeachment. Yeah, we'll get onto that, but let's yeah. just but in the same week, that's pretty incredible. So, uh, so we spoke about. Um, Boris Johnson and his his tactics and why he was trying to sort of um, prorogue Parliament mm. so that he could 
have it uh, out of the way and then he could fluff around and pretend to do stuff and whatever. So that's interesting for the parliament, for the, for the court, the Supreme Court in the UK, to say, no, the reason you gave was just BS, mm. that what you've done is unnecessarily interfere with the democratic process of parliament doing its job. And so we're ruling that what you did was illegal and Parliament was never cancelled. In fact, it's still going and you can open shop tomorrow. We mm. suggest you do. Mm. That was pretty incredible. But so, some people would also argue that those judges, those unelected judges, had no business uh, telling the British Parliament what they should be doing. But the British Parliament is subject to law. It, it's subject to its own laws and it's subject to law. Yeah. So they are merely interpreting... The law of the land. It's apparently a fairly recent law as well, isn't it? That was something uh, that Tony Blair put into place. No, that was it's, the it's that was the that was what, what Tony Blair put into place was the a calling of an election. You needed two thirds majority of the parliament to actually vote for an, to call an election outside of the five year time period. Okay. So that's what Tony Blair was. Yeah, and, and, and yet they. You know, reports that I read said that this is an extremely rare and unusual yeah, intervention yeah, on the part. Where of the... were you reading, Paul? Like you're honest, you're reading the Spectator <laughs> and you're reading Spike. What's wrong with the Spectator? It's you're reading right wing sources. Oh, look, I, I just don't no, buy this. No, no. If it's if it's considered to be a right wing source, anything you read in that is complete rubbish. No, I just no, don't buy that. No, I'm not saying that, but what you have to do is you have to say, what is this source? Am I reading The Guardian? Am I reading The Spectator? I do Am read I the reading Guardian. Spiked? Yeah. And then go, when they say this is a highly unusual... Like, if, if Fox yeah, yeah. News came out and said something, yeah. you would go, and said, this is a highly unusual thing, the court was way over the top in doing this, you would go, Well, if it hold was on a credible report... No, no look, no, I, no, I read it, The Guardian... Yep. I read Spectator, and look, not ev- not all the journalists that write for the Spectator even agree on Boris Johnson. It's not a uniform. It's it's not, but no, it's it isn't. It with, really isn't. It's fought with danger. Oh come on! This, I, the, look, the source is that would be just an opinion piece from somebody. Well, yeah, and it's the, just an opinion. You've got eleven judges of the Supreme Court unanimously made a decision. Yeah, and the, what we what we know is unlike. The American system, yeah. they haven't been, they're not political appointments in the UK Supreme Court. It's, it's mm. like our system has yeah. not been politicised. Mm. Like, there's no suggestion, oh, you run through the members of the Supreme Court and go, oh, that was appointed by mm. a Labor government, that was appointed by a Liberal government, yeah. and, and they're lining up their decisions in that sure. manner. Like, it's an apolitical body. Yeah. Uh, it's... You know, you talk about Western civilization and the marvellous things it's brought. One yes. of those things is the rule of law from yes. the UK. Yes, indeed. And and part of that is a, is a is what in administrative law it's that people must do th- when they're making administrative decisions, they must do so with reasons and yeah. they must justify those reasons. And and it was purely a case of of what's normal common law view that you must. Um, behave appropriately when making administrative decisions. Of it course. Wasn't, it wasn't an unusual... Um, it was pretty br- rare, It wasn't apparently. an unusual reach of, of judicial power. Well, I don't know no, because no. I don't, I'm not familiar with yeah. UK law. Yeah. But, um, you know, 
He was he was elected prime minister, and apparently yeah, that that's something. You can do, that doesn't mean you can do whatever you like. No, no, but apparently, you know, it's not the first time a British prime minister has prorogued parliament. No, even but, in recent history, no, it's no, not the. But, but it was the first time that one's tried to do it for six weeks, just prior to the biggest decision that the parliament will ever make. Mm. So that's the point. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, then your reasons must be valid to okay. do so. And the court said, your reasons were not valid. Like, okay. that was BS. So, And one thing I read was that uh, from a British commentator who said that um, Boris Johnson is behaving like a president, not a prime minister. Mm. And that is the whole point, is mm. that he has mm. behaved like a president. Right. In the chat room, Clinton says, bullshit fist, the government and the deep state make all the important appointments. <laughs> <laughs> they just do it in the back rooms. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Cameron Riley, hey Cam, says Boris wasn't elected. He was selected. So he, well, he was, his he was, party was selected. And yes. we know in yeah. our system it's the party that chooses the Prime Minister, yes. not the people. Yes, but good point. Just putting in there. Mm. Um, so anyway, uh, normally in that situation a Prime Minister should be feeling shame. I mean... You've been told by the highest court in the land that your reasons were bullshit and your supposed proroguing of Parliament is now cancelled mm. and get back to work. Normally you'd feel some shame. Boris d- doesn't know what These shame These guys means. don't feel shame. No, no. They have no... Like, no there's shame. Not only there's, there's no shame Johnson. anymore there's amongst no. these people. I don't feel shame. Yeah, and shame. that's across the board, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you could say the same thing about our Parliament. Yeah, that's right. Morrison they don't know no what shame means. about his no. bullshit antics that he does. He's yeah. What about he's um, in a bromance with Donald Trump for goodness sake? There's no shame. What about our our former deputy PM? Which the, one are we talking? The, about? the one, one? Oh, Barnaby. Barnaby. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No shame. Speaking there. of people who don't know what shame is, mm. you know. Anyway, uh, so that's quite extraordinary. Uh, we'll see what happens in the UK. Yeah. And uh, actually, there was an interesting thing. You know how they brought in that rule that said if you want an early election, you need you a two-thirds, two-thirds majority. majority. Yeah. So they can't get two-thirds majority to do that. But what they could do, potentially, is get a 51% majority to just repeal the mm. law that said you need a two-thirds majority. Mm. And then having repealed it, it would be back to the no-law situation, which was mm. by default 50%. So. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah, whether that happens or not. Yeah. A, a friend of mine uh, sent me a text this afternoon, this afternoon and, and he said there was some... Uh, he, he said, as the UK is still part of the EU, they haven't left yet, mm. that UK law is subsumed by uh, EU, EU law. He said EU, EU law still takes precedence, at least in some areas. Oh, it's because they've signed up to yeah. adopt EU laws in various circumstances. Yeah. yeah. In some parts, you're right, it does, because like Trevor said, they've signed up to it. Mm. It's not for things like elections and that sort of stuff. Mm. That is still British law. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So um, it's a very tangled web they've woven for themselves over there, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. But, but nobody, you know, but it's still nobody's talking about the situation with the Irish border. That I this is my theory. Mm. Try this one, Cam, if you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> so they're worried about a hard border, yeah. and the EU has said, "Well, we're not going to do any agreement that causes a hard border mm. because we don't want deaths on our hands." 
So you're going to have to have some Sounds sort like of children overboard. open water arrangement there mm. as part of any deal. But like the UK could just say, well, you know what, we're just going to have a... We're just, we, we don't care if there's free trade between uh, uh, the North and South in Ireland. We don't care. Free tra- movement, we, mm. we don't care. Yeah. Um, you guys are the ones who care. It's up to you put, to put a wall up and the EU just won't do it. Mm. So they'll say, oh, shit, well, if you're not going to do it, we can't do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, they will, the, the, U, the UK could just say, uh, we're happy for free movement of people between the north and south mm. in Ireland. Mm. If you have a problem, you put up a wall mm. and the EU will be stuck because they won't be able to put up a wall. So I reckon in the future that sort of um, Northern Ireland would be some sort of special economic zone mm. that's just an unwritten rule that there's yeah. just free movement mm. because nobody's game enough to put up a wall. Yeah. So, and uh, for good reasons, yeah. apparently. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if Northern Ireland ends up being back in the Republic of Ireland, actually. That's it, the other option. Yeah, mm. it really... I mean, Boris Johnson could well be the last Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Mm. You know, the UK could be left with England and Wales. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Scots look a bit rebellious, but... Um, Absolutely, and the Northern what, Irish could actually the, end up joining the South. What the Protestant-Catholic divide is in Northern Ireland in no, terms of numbers? Couldn't Percentages? Tell you. Don't know. I don't know either. Um, so if they had a referendum, you know, in Northern Ireland, mm. do you want to be part of the UK or do you want to be part of the Republic of Ireland? I mm. wonder how that would work out. Mm. Well, that would be very interesting because the Northern Ireland didn't vote for Brexit. They voted to remain. Mm. Did they? Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, they might vote. And Scotland know. voted to remain. Mm. So the only parts of the country that voted to leave was England and Wales. Mm. Anyway, and Scotland has got a fair bit of oil if they decide to break away. Absolutely. And they're a good chance of doing that. It could all, it all, could all fall apart. Um, back <laughs> over in the US, uh, there was a whistleblower came out and said that he or she, the whistleblower, was not in the room, but apparently Donald Trump had a conversation with the, uh, the president of the Ukraine mm-hmm. or the prime minister? The president, president of the Ukraine. Of the Ukraine. And basically, the gist of the conversation was, um, yeah, you know stuff about Joe Biden and his son Hunter, and I want you to give me some dirt on the Bidens. And incidentally, uh, the aid money that we'd normally give you, we're just going to hang on to that for a little bit until you decide whether you're going to give me some information. It That's seemed it to be the like. gist of the thing. Mm. And the difficulty for Trump is that when he had the conversation, nobody thought that anything of substance was going to be said. So there were lots of people listening in as part of the president's normal conversations. Mm. And up to 10 people are listening in. And At any time. Seemed, well, it seems mm. to be that there was a number of people who were listening in. Um, yeah. And so there's a number of witnesses and there's a transcript and... Uh, it will be interesting to see where this one falls. So mm. um, potentially an impeachment down the track, but well, this who is knows? The whole point. Nancy Pelosi has been holding off on impeachment. She's mm. been getting a hell of a lot of grief from her own side, and that they're yeah. saying that they're demanding impeachment, and probably quite sensibly holding. Absolutely. Off. Yeah. Um, so would she? Um, it looks like 
she has now changed her position and that mm. sort of thing, and she's actually arguing for impeachment. But she's never wanted to pull the impeachment trigger before because it could backfire on them. Could well. But this time round, it's almost as if, and she's by no means a fool. She's a very intelligent woman who's very smart and as shrewd as they come. It just makes me think that maybe she's got some sense of the numbers in the Senate changing. So maybe there is enough to actually knock him on the head. You're just doing it to damage him politically, Mm, surely. Because there's two-thirds majority would be required in the Senate. and It's a very long shot. He could walk down 6th Avenue and shoot somebody and they still would not impeach him in the Senate. It would require something like 20 Republican senators... Yep. Going across to the Democrat side and and voting to convict him. Yeah, twenty. Nor- and normally shame might not force you to resign. You know, but yeah. of course he doesn't know any shame. So, no. uh, so yeah. we'll see where that one ends. It's the, the highly thing- unlikely, isn't it? Uh, it's highly unlikely, but it just it just struck me as strange that mm. she would bother doing it because agree with you. Yeah, it just but, well, it's a good way of demonstrating his disloyalty to the United States yes. because he was basically prepared to interfere in the twenty twenty election. So, uh, so oh, I think cheers. I think it's a, a good way of finding some mud to throw at him. And okay, his base will remain with him, but maybe it'll shake a few Republicans off. Who knows? The interesting thing I thought about all this was um, remember when Mueller did his report and. Uh, a lot of things were redacted mm. when people were trying to read it. Mm. And um, now it was a bar, I think, who was sort of commenting about what the Mueller report said. And he had a couple of weeks there where he could really set the agenda of what Mueller said based on redacted sort of version of the Mueller report. And people were like, well, hang on a minute. What really does these words say that are all inked out in black in this Mueller report? Like... I think it was Barr, was saying it means one thing, but reading between the lines of the black ink, it doesn't seem to me really be saying that. Mm. Anyway, this whistleblower who's um, whistleblowing on this whole Ukrainian thing uh, wrote a really well-written sort of six- to eight-page description of what had gone on Mm. and purposefully put any sensitive matters of national security, any names or things that might potentially be matters of national security in an appendix at the end, in Mm. footnotes and in an appendix, so that the idea was that they couldn't redact sections of the paragraphs and things in a piecemeal fashion, that this whistleblower could be really confident that those six to eight pages could be read in full Mm. and... Okay, the appendix parts of it might be redacted, but they would have to read the entire six to eight pages in full. Like that was a really clever move mm, yeah, by clever. the whistleblower um, to sort of um, head off at the pass any attempt of, mm. of putting black ink through through the whistleblower report. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So um, so we'll see how that turns out. So in the UK Parliament, um, Boris. Um, wrapped over the knuckles and told to get back to work. Um, And in the US, uh, Donald in Trump, uh, Donald Trump in trouble. So a big week. Yeah. Somebody else who's been in trouble has been Kyle Sanderlands. Did he actually have to leave the country? 
No, he has a house in LA, and yeah. I get the impression that he even works from LA sometimes. He's not always in Australia um, right. broadcasting, is he? Right. I suspect he has a little studio set up in his home in LA, and he's broadcasting, you know, is he? Right. via the internet. He's issuing his apologies from there, is like that what Scott he's used to do. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so we spoke about him last week, but he's he's madly sort of backpedalling, saying, "I'm really sorry. I, I had no idea. Yeah, I've lost all respect for Kyle since he <laughs> yeah. backed down. Yeah, not that I had very much for him in the first place. No. Do you want to hear it? What he said exactly? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Was it. Yeah, quite okay. uh, interesting. Here we go. For a while, I thought Mary was his girlfriend, but apparently it was the mother. <laughs> yeah. And the mother would, would the mother lied, obviously. And told everyone, no, I got pregnant by a magical ghost. <laughs> Bullshit. Someone chock-a-blocked her behind the camel shed. Yeah, well, it's never happened since, has it? No, the immaculate not once. conception, that has never happened. Now, yeah. I don't mean to cast it, but if you believe what you believe in, but, like, think. Probably full of shit, right? You if have to you, question it. If you showed up here with yes. a big belly yep. and said, oh, I got <laughs> impregnated by a giant man in sandals... I would say bullshit. That's you your think. opinion. You might believe everything that's written down <laughs> 2,000 years ago to be absolutely accurate. And good on you, you're dumb. That's all I'm saying. Dumb as dog shit. But anyway. <laughs> well, it's true. But if they're your beliefs. That's right. If they're your beliefs, you. good on we you. We respect that, yeah. yes, yes. No, we don't. And he had no idea that would cause offence. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I had no idea people would be offended by that. Look, he's an so, entertainer. Let's yeah. face it. He's a, he's a second-rate entertainer, and that's what he gets paid to do is to give some people stuff to smirk and laugh at, you know? Mm. And he gave me a hell of a lot to laugh at. Mm. Mm. Now, there was an interesting article in the Rationalist Society from Ian Robinson who said um, uh, that, well, well, the story is that Barry lied about her pregnancy and told everyone. Uh, and he says, well, there's no evidence for this. The story of Jesus' virgin birth was not even known to Mary. It was made up later by others. Sure. The earliest known Christian writings, the epistles of Paul and the Gospel of Mark, do not mention it. This is a very telling omission. It is obviously a concoction by later Christians in an attempt to validate the evolving myth that the man Jesus was God and therefore could not have had a human father. Mm. And the co-host... Uh, Jackie O'Henderson also got it wrong when she claimed that the virgin birth was unique because in the history of religious myth, there's lots of stories of virgin births. Sure. So the Roman god Mars was conceived when his mother Juno touched a magic flower. The Chinese god Kui was conceived when his mother Jiang Yuan stepped on a giant footprint left mm-hmm. by the supreme deity Shangdi. Mm-hmm. And the Aztec god, I won't even try to pronounce it, was conceived when his mother found a ball of feathers that fell from the sky and placed it in her waistband. Mm. All different ways. Yeah, well, look, I, I have to say, on, in my particular case, mm. my mother found me under a cabbage. Mm. He also, um, one of Sanderland's detractors got it wrong when he complained forlornly, you have accused her, Mary, of having sex. So... <laughs> Uh, leaving aside the implied slur on the sexual act, it is clear that Mary must have had sex sometime, even on the biblical account, since Jesus had a number of siblings. And didn't he have an older brother? <laughs> and, yes, and unless they were all the offspring of the Holy Ghost, they must have been conceived via sexual Where did the older brother come from? You don't hear much about... I never learnt anything about his siblings. 
when I was in 12 years of Catholic schooling. It was only mm. later that I heard about Jesus having a brother and stuff like that. Mm. So, so anyway. I had no idea he had any brothers. Yeah, I'd oh. heard of him having a brother. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and it says here. What was here, his brother's name? James, was it? I think that sounds right. Sounds right, doesn't mm. it? Mm. So, um, so anyway, you were uh, you weren't offended. The only thing you were offended with Twelfth Man was the apology. The apology yeah. offended me deeply. <laughs> yes. Yep. Right. Um, uh, let me see here. From I had a really nice uh, email conversation or uh, yeah, email sort of exchange yeah. with listener Craig yes. and. He was listening to a couple of episodes in a row and he, he spotted an inconsistency. So um, when we had our discussion about Commonwealth funding, specifically childcare rebates and payments to individuals who are not childcare facilities, um, so I said it was a bad idea because providing money for a purpose should not be spent in a private arrangement. Remember, okay, so we're talking about the uh, Institute of Public Affairs is saying that people should be able to take the childcare subsidy and rather use it in a childcare centre, take that money and have a private au pair mm. and make up the difference themselves. And so I was saying that's a bad idea, that you shouldn't be able to take that taxpayer what if, money. What if the au pair was French? Well, we'll come back to that. So... At the same time, we've also been talking about the welfare card and how I've been saying, well, once you get your welfare money, you should be able to do with it what you like and the government shouldn't be saying to you, oh, you can't spend it on you know, tobacco or alcohol. Right. So on the one hand, with the childcare money, we're saying, here is some money which must be spent this way. But with the welfare card, we're saying, here is some money to spend as you like, mm. which he thought was a bit of a... Inconsistency. So um, here's my response, Craig, which is regarding childcare, having a private option allows the rich to opt out of the public system. We have seen what happens with hospitals when you create a private option and the same with schools. Absolutely. The public option deteriorates because the rich know they can choose the private option. Mm -hmm. So allowing welfare recipients options as to what they buy doesn't damage a public system that the rest of us rely on. That's the welfare recipients with the welfare card. If they choose badly and buy booze and cigarettes, it doesn't damage some community cafeteria that we're all relying on. Now, they may end up with lung cancer and cost the community a bomb, but the same could be said about non-welfare recipients. So if we ban smokes for that reason, we should ban them from everyone. Mm. By the way, if people do um, get lung cancer, it doesn't actually cost the community a bomb because... People die earlier and we don't have to pay their pension. So it actually works out that we, as a community, save money if people smoke and mm. get lung cancer. There you go. I read that somewhere, somewhere. There we go. There's the answer to that one, I think. Um, I read that so maybe they yeah. should be um, subsidising uh, tobacco and alcohol for people over retirement age. <laughs> <laughs> You need 20 years to get it into the system. You know, that, that's the problem. So, Just make them cheap enough so yeah, they can right, smoke right. more of them, drink more of it. Well, yeah. Save a bomb on the pension, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Maybe that's why cigarettes have not been banned. Yeah. Um, Robin Bristow, we've dealt with in the past in a few different times. He's mm. reached out to us. He's 
got a uh, Halloween on Hastings happening on the 2nd of November at 8pm, a queer celebration of religious freedom and freedom of speech. So basically there will be a link in the show notes or just Google. No, there will be a link. And um, if you're anywhere near Noosa or you want to be on the 2nd of November, you can walk down Hastings Street and um, I'll be dressed up in sort of Halloween gear but sort of... um, Added colour, indeed. Mm. Um, I should mention patrons who we haven't mentioned in a while. So let's quickly do that, Uh, dear listener. We have patrons on the show, so we've got about fifty-five odd of them. Really, Mm. that's great. So uh, if you're listening to the show and you've been listening for a while, maybe twenty to twenty-five episodes, and you really like it, and you're thinking. Uh, you can't wait for it every week. Time to stump up and become a patron. Thank you to Sean Janelle, Craig John, Landon Wayner, Ayame, Alison, Steve, Tony, Caitlin, Watley, Jimmy Spud, Kane, Bromman, Matt J, Robert, Robert, uh, Rod Palais, Matic Man, Dominic, Liam, Dave, Karen, Daniel, Harry, Gavin, Peter, Captain, Doomsday, Aiden, Wheat Watcher, Andy, Murray, Melinda, Adam, Greg, Professor, Dr. Dentist, Will, Glenn, Craig, S., Matthew, Clinton, Alexander, Paul, Tom and Tero and the non-patrons who do it via PayPal. Dean, Ken, was the beneficiary, Mr Anderson, Corinne, Matman, David and Beverly and beer sponsors. Beer sponsors. Thank you very much to Was, Wayne, Land and Hardbottom, Bronwyn, Dave, Adam, Caitlin, Zach, Captain, Doomsday and friend of the show, Anne. And we've got to put out a special appeal to everyone tonight because... <laughs> We have just drunk the last of our beer. <laughs> we are out of beer. Yeah. Well, I've got three more from Mr. Anderson, and that's okay, it. Okay, well, we've yeah. got three more from Mr. Anderson, yeah, which is only thanks. half a six-pack, which is, yeah. you It doesn't know, go far. It doesn't really go far. But thanks. I mean, it is appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know. But I what think, are we going to do if we run out of beer? I mean, well, we'll have to go like half-starved refugees down oh, to the bottle shop and yeah. buy it ourselves. How humiliating. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want that to happen to us, dear listener. So, uh, so thank you to the patrons. Uh, your And thank you. To be sponsors yeah. too. Yes. So we don't hide anything behind any paywalls. We don't have any extra no. sort of bits and pieces. It's all here. Uh, all 222 episodes are there on the website. And so when you're looking at your feed on your podcast app, it might only show 50 or something, but they're all there on the website. If you go and look, you can play them. So there you go. Tell your friends. Um, just a couple of little things. Um, uh, Tony says, I'm in for beer sponsor. How do I donate? Tony, if you go to the website, you'll see a little tab that says beer sponsors <laughs> with directions. So, and get in touch if you need any help beyond that. So, um, Okay. Thanks, Tony. Uh, Thank right. you very much, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned that Scott Morrison tried to invite Brian Houston to his meeting with Donald Trump and everybody was up in arms saying, what are you doing inviting that creep to... Yes. Uh, that was interesting, yeah. wasn't it? And so he responded um, saying, basically, watch out, everybody. There's been lots of comments on social media and I'm going to sue you for defamation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hmm. So, uh, so he's fighting fire with fire and... Um, you know, I cannot hmm. understand this because, you know, you've got the statement from them, from the commissioners, expressed the view that the, where are we? Uh, 
lost it. Third last paragraph. Yeah, yeah. we are satisfied that in 1999 and 2000, Pastor Brian Hewson and the National Executive of the Assemblies of God in Australia did not refer the allegations of child sexual abuse against Mr Frank Houston to the police, the commissioners wrote in their report. Mm. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was right there. It, it was, was clear. Obvious, yeah. Exactly. Mm. So there we go. That's Brian Houston um, and Scott Morrison. That's the company he's keeping. We haven't mentioned Israel Folau for a while, but news came out that he wanted to play rugby for league for Tonga. Tonga. Mm. 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 And apparently there's a thing where the Tongan sort of rugby league administrators are in a civil war. And oh. so the International Rugby League said this particular administrative group for Tonga have not got the support of the Tongan people. We're ignoring them. We're going to deal with this other group. So, unfortunately for Israel, he was with the first group and now being ignored. But some people were saying, well, you know, he shouldn't be allowed to play. But, of course, he should be allowed to, he should be allowed to play. The question, it's then just up to uh, the people paying him as to how much they want to pay him. And, and I rugby- doubt the Tongans could pay him what the Australian uh, Rugby Union could pay him. Probably not. But the whole point is uh, it was an employment issue with Israel. You know, they were paying him big money to do a certain role which he made himself ineligible to do. But it's entirely open, I think. He should be allowed to play for any rugby league or rugby union team on a new contract who can say to him, well, in these circumstances, we're going to pay you X amount, and in these other circumstances, we're going to pay you Y. And you may not like the look of this contract, but having seen your previous performance, that's the contract we're offering you. So, he, you know, he should definitely be allowed to play. Sure. It's just a question of how much would anyone be willing to pay this guy? Hmm. That's that. And uh, remember when the National Secular Lobby was going to be appearing at the press club? Yeah. In a debate. It was cancelled, wasn't it? Was it was cancelled. Yeah. It's back on again. Good. Yeah. So Fiona Patton is now an ambassador for the National Secular mm. Lobby and she's going to be debating Martin Isles mm. at the National Press Club. And, and he is, of course, the... Um, head of the ACL that took exactly. over from Lyle yeah. Shelton. Mm. So that's going to be on the 9th of October. Um, so good luck, Fiona, in that mm, absolutely. one. Absolutely. I really hope she... Kicks his yeah, go on. you good thing, Fiona. Mm. So, she's a good one to choose, I think. Mm. Um, and the rest of it is just a hodgepodge of different topics, but nothing really. Um, there was anything else that you wanted to any, that grabbed you guys? <laughs> Justin Trudeau. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wasn't that hilarious? <laughs> right. Wasn't that? He's in trouble. Yeah. Pictures of him in blackface. From, yeah. And from not only one picture, years ago. apparently he did it several times. He's a, he's a serial blackfacer. Mm. It's just... Uh, and he met Greta. He met young Greta and he had to hang his head in shame and say, Greta, not only am I not doing enough on climate change, but, yeah, I blacked up. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I did he know. really apologise to Greta? No, no, I'm making that up. Oh, I'm okay. ad-libbing a little no, bit. No, right. he, did, he did apologise to her for not doing enough on climate That's change. That's right. right. Or, or did she actually have a? Did she actually say to him that you're not doing enough? She did later. She she had a. She was interviewed after she met with him, and she said, "No, he's not doing enough." Mm. <laughs> mm. Hilarious. Look, it's a it's a photograph 
from 2001. That's a long time ago. It is. Yeah, I know. It's 18 years ago and that sort of thing, which I think... No, I'm sorry. There's no excuse for that sort of behaviour. And he was it's a racist. To say, yeah, he's a teacher at an exclusive school in Vancouver. And he went to, to a fancy dress party. He dressed up as Aladdin. What mm. colour skin do Ara- people from Arabia usually have? Yeah, brown skin. Yeah, I would have thought even in two thousand and one, blackface was a pretty marginal thing to do in <laughs> North America. It really was. Yeah, I would have thought in North America it would have been, but he's Canadian. Maybe Canadians are different. Yeah. They're a bit more laid back yeah, on that are. that side of the border, I yeah. think, aren't they? Well, mm. they should. They well, used they, to. Be. They used to be, but they're not yeah. so much no. laid back now. I mean, it's just. So he's never been a favourite of our podcast. No, he's just an extreme social justice warrior. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, which is part of uh, why it's so hilarious to find that he has actually engaged in that sort of, you know, taboo behaviour. Yeah. Mm. So if you're going to live by the sword, you might die by the sword. So, and he's, uh, they're having an election in Canada at the moment as yes. well. So Seems like he's, he's copped a fair bit of damage over he's it. He's copped a bit. Mm. Yeah. Uh, my mate Jordan Peterson, you heard about him? What's he no, done? No, what's he do? He's in rehab. Seriously? Is he? Mm. He's had a problem with drugs. Oh, not problems with strange philosophy. No. <laughs> Philosopher's rehab no. or something like that. Uh, he's been on some... His wife had some sort of cancer or something oh. and... He apparently was taking some sort of medication. Mm. Uh, not sure exactly what it was, but got hooked on it mm. and had to end up in rehab. Oh, I d- yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Really? So, um, Thoughts and prayers, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers, yeah. yeah. Um, so nobody likes to see that happen. No, Even of Jordan not. Peterson. No, we don't yeah. wish that on anyone. Yeah. No, but, we don't. It's just, yeah, we're just... Mucking around, dear listener. Yeah. yeah. But he, he prior to that, he did get into trouble on something. Um, so he ignited a public furor uh, in Toronto for refusing to refer to a popular Stephen King-based horror film by the gender-neutral pronoun of it. <laughs> is that, is on that the grounds, No. It's, it's a joke. On the grounds, there's a joke article, this part. The Good. previous one about his rehab is true, but this is a joke article. Is this from The Onion or something? Something like, like that, where it's... Yeah. A, he refused to refer to uh, the clown as it on the grounds that the titular character Pennywise the clown is obviously a him. Uh, <laughs> according to eyewitnesses, Peter spent, Peterson spent 12 minutes holding up the box office line at Toronto's Varsity Cinema <laughs> while he repeatedly requested VIP room tickets for him to the confusion of numerous employees. I like it. Uh, this guy was quoted... Uh, this guy wouldn't stop going like, I'm here for him. I want to see him, we called <laughs> assistant manager Toby Duncan. When I eventually clued in and asked if he meant it, he said he most certainly did not, did not mean it and called me a radical postmodernist ideologue <laughs> trying to punish him for not using the clown's compelled pronoun. There we go. I haven't mentioned Jordan for a while. Yeah. Get well, Jordan. Yeah, do get well, Jordan. Mm. Stay off the drugs. Yeah. Right. Um, next week... What's next week? Uh, climate change evidence. Oh, that, that one. That <laughs> okay. the renewables yeah, all right. uh, See what can, we can stack do. up yeah. and actually there's no need for hmm. uh, carbon emissions. Okay. We can rely on that. So well, I am do looking forward to that, actually. Mm. Yeah. I've, I've already got an article I know I'm going to latch on to. So, <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Do your best. I'm feeling pressure. You're, you're going to promote your argument? You're going to try and oh, look, find I'll, an article I'll that says the I'll try and find outside? some articles that support my mm. argument, yeah. Okay, all right. Right, dear listener, thanks for tuning in. Uh, 
we will talk to you next time. Hmm. Thank you very much. Bye now. See you guys. Bye, everyone in the chat room. Thanks, Tony. Bye. Now, a matter of great importance has been brought to my attention. I speak, of course, of the generous contributions made by the patrons of the Iron Fist Velvet Glove podcast. These fine men and women have sacrificed so much for their countrymen. Never before in the field of human conflict have so many owed so much to so few. To those of you who are not yet patrons, I say this. Give generously of yourself. Give until you can honestly say, I have nothing left to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Let me see. What is the time? Ah, 10 a.m. Now, where is my whiskey and cigars? (laughs) Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time, and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast, and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like, grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to, I think, $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, Is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe... You really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners And that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.